Welcome back from lunch. For those who are just joining us on the stream, welcome back from London. Uh, for those who don't know, my name's Matt Milstead. Uh, Mayamo Matt Milstead, right? Yeah, I like the thumbs up and the, the head shakes, yeah. Um, uh, I run a weekly podcast with my partner Dave Koss, uh, a weekly podcast called the Modegraph Podcast, and uh, the panel from all the Dat shows is our weekly podcast, so I'm super excited to be here in Berlin. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, actually, no, I, I, first I want to start off with uh, thanking our sponsors, um, Dell Technologies, Render, NVIDIA, and Tool Farm. Woo, so big hand of applause for, <laughs> yeah, round of applause, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, let's, uh, oh man, late from lunch, all right. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and get this thing started. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name's Matt Milston. And I am Winbush. And yeah, this up? is Dat. Uh, super excited to be here in Barcelona. Uh, we've got an amazing panel of artists all over, from all over Spain, not just Barcelona. I got, I got reprimanded for that earlier. So, uh, yeah, we're going to discuss a bunch of, uh, stuff about the local industry and their thoughts on everything. Uh, but let's start off over here. Oh, and we have Chris Schmidt. <laughs> Uh, so let's uh, let's start by introducing everyone. We'll start over here with Chris Schmidt. Uh, you can go first, and everyone has their own microphone this time. Just make sure and speak speak closely. Uh, hi again, everybody. I'm Chris Schmidt from Rocket Lasso, where me and my two brothers spend all day making plugins and tutorials and live streams for Cinema 40. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah, yeah. Go and look up the capsules on C4D and look up Rocket Lasso. There's some really amazing ones in there for those who don't know, who haven't been on the tour. Hello, my name is Milton. I am founder and creative director at Not Real, and we are located in Madrid and Buenos Aires. Hello, uh, my name is Javi, uh, also known as Pollo. Pollo. <laughs> and I'm a co-founder at Verse Studio. And yeah, we're based in Madrid too, and we do still a moving CG in Madrid. Hello, my name is Andre Warren, and I'm the founder and creative director of Misato Kindness. So, hello to everyone. Hi, my name is Angela Mestre. I'm the producer, I'm the co founder of Este Studio, and I work hand in hand with Alberto Carbone. I'm Alberto Carbone, I'm 3D artist and art director, and co founder from Este Studio. That's you, Wimbush. Oh, I mean, I just was up. <laughs> <laughs> My name is um, Jonathan Wimbush, a.k.a. Wimbush, and yeah, happy to be here. Love the weather. It rained a whole time in London for us. So oh, yeah, the weather's so, great so. here. The, and the food. The food is incredible. I, I like, absolutely appreciate you guys. Thank yeah. You. Coming from London to Barcelona, the food is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, let's uh, let's start off with this because y'all, uh, uh, at least this group, comes from all over different parts of Spain and even some from overseas to Spain. Um, I would love to know 
what uh, y'all's kind of state of the industry is in the different areas that you've worked. And um, me, you know, uh, coming from the U.S., I don't know if there's a big difference in like the art scene or the uh, in, say, Barcelona versus Madrid uh, or anywhere else in Spain. If anyone wants to go first, please feel free. So I could do like a quick, quick resume about this. No, basically, depends if your clients are based in Spain or not. Like if you are out of Spain, you most surely work a bit like more chill. But if you do have some Spanish clients, all you're going to hear they say is like, uh, how much time do we have for this project? Oh, I need it in two hours. Okay, but I need three <laughs> days. You know, so I guess like everybody has been in this situation. So here it is something quite common because people usually in the brands or these things, they don't understand yet how properly things work. So my recommendation would be to try to get clients from outside Spain until <laughs> <laughs> they get educated a bit. Say everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we've heard that in canada and england and yeah now yeah i can guess <laughs> but yeah trust me i've been doing other clients is better in other places <laughs> well maybe maybe talking about like i don't know so much about like the industry of the clients that are here our studio mostly work uh for the states, we are working a lot for like tech companies like Microsoft, Apple, Google. But what I like about being here, and especially in Madrid, that is the place that I know. Uh, we were being in Madrid for I don't know. We moved three years ago almost, and the community is beautiful. There are a lot of like CGI studios in Madrid with a lot of history, uh, like Sierra Cat or. Play studio with uh, Juan Mamota or Tavo, and also new studios that are like rising, like the guy that I have on my side. And there is a lot of community there in which one you can share a, a lot of knowledge or things that are going on. And as well, here in Barcelona, there are so many CGI studios here that is amazing. Like most of the studios, where I understand, they are working uh, for different parts of the world, different clients worldwide. Uh, not only from the local market, so it's pretty much an international like a community, and they know how to work like with different kind of projects. But the CCI industry here is super big and super beautiful. Yeah, I think like we got the uh, the best of both worlds. You know, like we we can work with clients from all over the world, but we still have the sunny <laughs> weather, and it's beautiful here. You know. <laughs> So, yeah, I think the community here is very, very cool, very interesting. And there's also a lot of talent, both in Madrid and Barcelona, in Valencia, too. Uh, well, in Madrid. Yeah, yeah, we are from Valencia and we, uh, we work there because we are from there. And it's because we work for uh, foreign clients and it's a mind where you work because you can work online. So it's easy for us to decide. And we have a lot of... Uh, super good weather in Valencia, really sunny, and we enjoy the city. There aren't too many studios there, uh, a couple or a little bit more, and some freelance, but we can go move to Madrid or Barcelona and join with the community. So that's nice for us. Yeah, it's it's exa exactly that. What, what I think is the, the community is super big. It's super uh, friendly. 
And when you come to Barcelona, you come to Madrid, the, everybody is inviting to, to their studios. Uh, just come for a beer, come for a coffee. And it's super nice, this, this community, because it's like we are not um, uh, rivals into the, for clients. We are like friends on, between us. So it's super amazing, that, that feeling. Is, what's the, uh, now, y'all are all studio owners, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What's the, do y'all have an idea of what the freelance market is here? Or is everyone just, I run my own studio? No, there, there is a big like freelance market all over, I'd say, Spain. There are, uh, from my perspective, like Spain has a lot of background in CGI. Uh, no matter the software that they are using, it's a big market in terms of CGI. So there is a lot of talent all over there. Some of them start building their own studios, but there is so many freelancers that they are amazing. So it's a little bit of everything where I, where I see or where, where we have like here at the studio we are like a team of 15 16 people but we are also always with another 15 freelancer working with us and half of them are or more of them are all over here or Europe so I don't know that's my experience but I don't know guys what yeah I've, I've been freelancing a lot before before founding our our studio uh, we are pretty new we have one year old um, so I've worked a lot as, as a freelance. I've worked with many great studios, like not real. <laughs> and it's like super amazing experience um, because you do your job from home and it's super uh, easy, super uh, nice. You can go to, to visit the, uh, whoever you, you need to go. And it, yeah, the market, it's, it's pretty nice. You can work with all the world, um, depending a bit on, on the time zones is the, the only tricky thing. I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, how is that? Talk to me about uh, the process of working because I've found it even here is an hour later than England. And I found talking just to my wife is very difficult. I can imagine having clients in L.A. is, is very difficult. Those midnight calls are later. Yes. You have to really be like. No, usually with LA clients or with LA clients, I have to ha set up the calls around like 6.30 when I'm supposed to leave the studio. So it is what it is. In the end, you have to kind of deal with these things. But it's good because while they're sleeping, you're advancing. So when they wake up, they have the whole day to review everything. You don't have to be stressed out. Then you just wake up, you have everything there well, clear. So you can kind of manage it somehow of course i would say like when you start in the production you have to be on top of it because for some clients for sure is a bit of an inconvenient to always have to settle up for super early in their morning so usually a lot of times you end up doing calls at midnight literally but yeah. it's good. i think you need to be flexible and adapt to the client because it's only a project and it's for short time so you can't move your schedule a little right. bit I mean, it's your time. <laughs> Take an additional siesta, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have found uh, working in the States and having people, uh, I, I've, I've, I, we've hired people in Europe. And I will say it is awesome waking up in the morning and having a bunch of work done ahead of time. <laughs> so uh, uh, big thank and shout out to y'all for that. Um, uh, what else was I going to ask? Can I ask a question? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. So, um, 
what would you say is primarily the type of work that you get over here? Like whether it's feature film or television or commercial work, like what's the primary type of clients that you guys will get here? Uh, for us, for example, we do a lot of commercial works and we also like to do some art works from, from our side, but commercial. <laughs> yeah. We do most, yeah, of course, like 70%, 70% of our work is commercial works. And then we have like 25%. We are now developing a lot of music videos. And so we can further develop more into cinema, series, this kind of field. But is yet a goal. So it's kind of like you really have to, I would say, start with commercial, your commercial, and then. Yeah, for us, it's like kind of the same as them. Uh, we do mainly product, uh, product visualization and video, you know, and uh, mix it with like motion graphics. Yeah. But yeah, and also always trying to give like the abstract feeling to it, you know. Bad, yeah. Also, tech companies and other tools, like. <laughs> well, they are amazing. They, that's the only thing that she, he's saying, but they are doing like high level product right. things. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm super fan of them. In our case, as I mentioned, we are working a lot for tech companies, mostly uh, doing a lot of like. Uh, design systems and, and campaigns, especially with Microsoft in the, in the last in the last year. But the tricky thing is, like most of the big tech companies, they are in in the West Coast. Yeah. So uh, in our case, it's it's not only a project; it's a constant client relationship in the other side of the world. So the thing for us is, we need to be super organized. Sometimes. You need to be flexible because, you know, sometimes there are some needs on some specifics that you need uh, from one specific project. But something that we learn is like when you earn the trust of the client, they are maybe in the first projects, there is, okay, we are like so many hours in between us. But at some point you start like earning the trust of the client. They know that we have like a specific touch points during the week with them. And you start like organize your life, taking into account like these kind of things. This, oh yeah, okay. And um, I would like to say, if any of y'all in the audience have a question, feel free to raise your hand. We've got a mic out there that we can uh, we can do. Uh, Karan, you had a question? Yeah, I had a question. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Um, I am. I'm listening that you all are mentioning a lot about um, working with clients in US. But is there an opportunity that you all think in working with clients in Asia and Australia and New Zealand? Yeah. Or let's say Singapore places because there's a big market there as well. There's an upcoming market. Or even working with freelancers from there because there's a massive industry, let's say specifically in India, uh, where we have a lot of uh, CG artists, uh, upcoming artists, freelancers. So have you had that experience of working with uh, clients <laughs> or yeah. artists? From yeah, there? make them take the late calls, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In my scenarios, uh, we are actually now starting to develop like a strong relationship with Japan. So yeah, it gets even trickier <laughs> than when you, with the US. But it's good because what we usually try to do is have some freelance from each kind of country that we work with. So he can kind of 
not direct, but be always there available for the client if it's necessary somehow. So we kind of go this way. We balance it a bit. Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store, all thanks to their support. Go check them out at otoy.com. Now back to the madness. Yeah, yeah. we've been doing a few, well, a couple of gigs for China. And yeah, you have to like uh, adapt your schedule to them. And Or for example, we are doing one now, which is for a, a US client, but the sound designer is based in Australia. So we... We have to manage like the, the the timing for them to send the music so we can send to the to the client, you know, and that's a bit tricky always. But you try to make your rest, you know. Sure. Uh, uh, speaking of working with, um, uh, you know, it, uh, the Asian uh, population or even working with the U.S., is there ever like a language barrier? that y'all have to deal with, you know? As I know sometimes, like, with some of the developers we've worked with, um, it, it it has been hard to uh, to, to kind of get over that language barrier. I mean, y'all are here speaking English perfectly, you know, on this on this panel, but have you ever had to deal with that? Yes. My, yeah, well, I, yes, yes, a little bit, but sometimes I, I don't remember, like, in a specific case, but sometimes like working with different countries, the thing is not only the language, sometimes it's the culture because there are like a, a specific things that in some parts of the world they like the most or they don't like the most. And you, you need to start like understanding and learning which are the things that they like, what are the trends, what are the things that you can add that are like a little bit fresh or, or new or, or whatever and how to combine these kind of things. So learning about like the, the specific market and what are the rules in that market, that's the most tricky part. I, I, I would and how think. do you go about researching that? Yeah. Like, how do you make sure that something you're putting on there doesn't offend lots of people? <laughs> well, you, you're, you're not never sure. That's uh, why you need to have, like, a good relationship with your client. Your client will be your guidance for these kind of things. And, like, one project after other, you start learning because sometimes it's impossible to know everything about the world and, and all the things. But you need to be care uh, carefully selecting things and talking with your client like asking questions that's yeah. that's the main thing yeah. yeah yeah i think the communication is the most important and if someone doesn't understand you you can explain again and again <laughs> try to uh, feel that you are in, uh, working on the same way but yes i'm i had problems with uh, communication with asian people or something like that but it's because of the uh, change of the culture yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely the the deliveries you can you can give to people from Dubai or from people to China it's totally different and maybe they're hiring you because of style but they ask something different something that is more into their culture that is more fit to what they look for so it's a bit complex to to change mind I think you have to 
to change a bit the, the concept of your design. Because if you're having two projects at the same time, one from one side of the world and one for the other, it's two different projects and like everything, like the, the communication with the client, the project you're designing, the 3D, everything, it's totally different. I can imagine that it, it could be pretty difficult sometimes. Like you're coming up with style frames to pitch something, you know, and you're kind of going in maybe a little blind, right? And so how it, it, do you do a lot of that research beforehand when, uh, when initially pitching the ideas? Uh, yeah, uh, most of the times the, the clients also uh, know if, if you're working with a client, they know what, to, what they want. So they send you references where you, where you have to study and to say, okay, this is repeating, let's do this because they want this. Or um, let's uh, see a bit more of this culture. Let's see what they like, what they have more, what they see more, what they see on the TV. And that's super helpful for then when you design, when you just um, hit with the computer, you have some clear ideas and you, you know what to do. I don't know, with, when you're pitching for something, no matter with, with place in the world is, sometimes you n need to go with your instinct and have a little bit of luck because mm -hmm. where we always say, like, you always, you lose pitch and sometimes you win some, some of them. So uh, the, the pitching thing is like a little bit tricky and especially when it's for a different culture because you need to learn a lot of things, but always making a pitch for something is it's complicated because you have like a short amount of time to create something for someone that has to select in between like probably three or four or five different options that probably all of them are amazing so it's always a little bit tricky I would say Matt real quick can I piggyback yes. off because you just mentioned pitch, pitching the clients yeah um, I know, at least for me, I stopped doing free pitches because it takes time and effort and resources to pitch. So how is it out here whenever a client asks for you to pitch, especially when you're pitching against other agencies? Like, are you guys more inclined to do a free pitch just to try to get the opportunity for the work or have people out here hunkered down and, you know, collectively say like, no, we want at least paid for the pitch because, you know, that's, you have to pay freelancers and, you know, there's resources that go behind that cost of pitching the clients. Well, we, we are, lucky for us, we are not pitching a lot. Uh, we are working a lot with direct clients and direct relationships that we have. And so that's pretty much what we are doing. But when we have to pitch for a project, sometimes what we believe is like, this is our, the rules of the game. Sometimes you, we, you have the opportunity to pitch for a project that it's a great opportunity and you have to go against like some big companies or whatever and sometimes it's in my perspective it's like take it or leave it it's like okay I'm going to play this this game with this rule I'm going to I don't know participate and if we win we win and if we don't don't but some of the things that we try to do uh, lately when we are pitching for a project is try to do something that we like that we believe so we when we spend that time creating something that that we really believe in rather to try to complain uh, to fulfill all the expectations because and um, sometimes that give you like better results because most of the time in, in my experience maybe you have like a different one but most of the times you lose the pitch and then you have to compete again so maybe 
it's a good thing to use that time to create something that you really like in the boundaries of, of a project, of course. Yeah, we always try to find this balance of meeting the client expectations and also doing something that we, we are happy with and we, we think it helps us to move the studio forward, especially being a very young studio. Uh, we always try to grab uh, projects that allow us to grow our portfolio and take us where we want to be, you know. But yeah, there's always the client uh, requirements, so you always got to be in the middle of that. Uh, Milton, I want to uh, direct this question for you. Oh, question. <laughs> Karan. Sorry to hear that. Um, on the point that Ritbush mentioned, I've been on, on the agency side where we have had that situation where uh, a lot of times it depends on how big your studio agency is or how mm -hmm. good the qualities or how much of the name you have created with your, for yourself in the market. Um, when you begin with, you always have to pitch and there is no uh, money that is given back to you, basically. Um, that's the rule of the game uh, for the agency, most of them, and it's a cutthroat environment out there. Uh, you'll be competing against, as Milton said, a lot of agencies. But the moment they build that trust that your work is good, they'll come to you directly. Um, and then you will know that you are the only agency that they're working with and you don't need to pitch for them and you just directly start working with them. Uh, but it is very rare that um, uh, a client will pay you, uh, especially in my experience in, in the Middle East as well, a client will not pay you for pitching unless uh, you have tried and you know that the client is taking you for a toss where you have pitched for the client five times and they always tell you, oh, it's amazing, but it's amazing, but... And that's when you start realizing and you have to play smart be like hey listen we have given you so much resources um, I'm sorry but not anymore because work will keep coming you know like it, it also depends on how how you want to grow either you want to be taken advantage of or you want to be smart enough and give it back to the client and be like hey listen enough so it just depends but uh, yeah I, I understand your point and it, it's, a, it's a difficult kind of situation everybody is in uh, but you just have to believe in yourself and go with it and, and it, not just for the studios but for artists as well I'm sure there are a lot of freelancers in, in the audience uh, just believe in yourself do your work have, I'm sure you'll get where you are just don't don't let yourself down and don't think if you get rejected it's a wrong thing that rejection is a sign of positivity for you to get better and grow simple as that can we get the audience involved though what, yeah what absolutely least don't. does anybody have any questions that how or why did you make the decision to move from freelancing to creating that's a really good question to creating yeah. your own studio and maybe also you know a little bit of how do you manage uh, clients like you know because one thing is if they hire you to do a specific job as a freelancer and another thing is to trust you with a whole project so a little bit how is that different and yeah I guess like the most obvious answer would be like if you want to do bigger things it's some people that they don't like like to do bigger things I have friends they are amazing freelancers and they want to stay freelancers forever because they don't want to have these uh, heavy duty on them like if anything goes wrong the client is going to be pissed uh, is going to tell you a bunch of things and blah blah so it's like with all the good things also come some bad things and I think it's like the amount of responsibility you want to actually take in 
then it's also some kind of like freelancers that are amazing and they're like one man army <laughs> and this like I think out of the topic but I would say in my case in my scenario was that I'm not gonna be able to do everything I wanna do for creating a movie or a series so I need to find the right people in my team that can be fully on this developing that because I have to fully develop a concept creativity etc so it's like everybody balances its own way I would say yeah for example I was super comfortable working as, as a freelancer I was really nice I had some free time everything was super good uh, but I something inside my inside me said that I wanted something more something more something more and the way to uh, get the clients and to be more recognizable and that they can uh, approach to you to, to ask for a bigger project I think it's that to to make the, the movement for a studio and to have some more uh, free time from from production and from doing all the all this stuff like she do it now uh, to give more time to the 3D maybe hire somebody or keep growing like the in, in another way we've got another question over here but real quick I want to jump off that um was it difficult for y'all going from freelancer, independent contractor into a studio to be able to hand things off and like kind of uh, um, uh, give that responsibility to someone else? Let go. <laughs> Let go. Yeah. Well, that that's a good one. Like, <laughs> and that's a good one. Like, uh, maybe from 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 not real from our story. Like, uh, at the beginning of the studio was. We were like a small studio, few people like uh, Valerie and I doing a lot of, of the work in terms of design, animation, having like a few people helping us. But at some point we realized that if we wanted to grow a little bit, start doing like bigger projects and better projects, we need to, at some point we, we realized we, we needed to start like trusting other people and not only trusting, helping them to develop the, their own thing uh, in the boundaries of the studio. So uh, at some point we, we realized about that and we start like a little bit growing as a team and giving like different roles to the members of the team, different responsibilities. And that led us to have like better projects, better results. It was difficult because at some point you, okay, I want to do that. And you, you have to be like friend with the idea that some things are not going to be the way you want exactly. I was going to say, do you but worry sometimes that, it's better. Do you worry <laughs> sometimes that your studio may evolve into maybe something that's not quite your style? But when you work as a team, there is nothing is your own style. That's the thing that we learn. Like it's a collection of different styles, different things, different minds creating something together. And that's the beauty behind that, in my perspective. Yeah. You were going to say something? No, I think uh, we aren't in this point because we are a small studio and we are at the beginning, so we manage everything and we aren't in this point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same. We are, I think we are in the, that early stage, which I actually like a lot because I, I love to get, like, get my hands dirty and do some technical stuff and also do some <laughs> talking to the mic I'm oh, sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> luckily I have a strong voice yeah <laughs> I can hear you I don't know if everyone on the internet can yeah 
Um, so yeah, I think it it's something we gotta le learn, like they did. So yeah, let's see how it goes. I don't know. We had a question over here. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was there another question over here? All right. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, is there a balance? Like, are you still able to, you know, get your hands dirty in cinema while also, you know, running a team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, in our case, like, this past two months, like, we all have been staying some nights, working a lot. And, of course, I stayed also some nights. I have a kid, so it's more complicated even than regular person, I guess. Uh, but in the end, if you can lend a helping hand, is always useful. Also, it, sometimes it's, it's more useful to just be, like, kind of really, how to say, fresh. You know, so you get your sleep and you get everything, and one day tell you this looks like shit everything is super bad or i'm not uh, i'm not happy with the results or everything you just see it from another perspective you try saving things and kind of you flip it you know in the end it's like you have to rely on your team and the team also has to know to rely on you on the major decisions somehow i would say so even like sometimes speaking with the clients some things can get a bit rough so you have to be like literally like yeah, you know, everything is possible, we can do it, but it's just like a bit of balance, general balance. I'd like to hear Chris answer this because you're not only hiring other people, you're actually working with your own family. So how is that balance? Put your own two brothers. Uh, yeah, all the time uh, I have, well, I have three brothers, but I work with two of the brothers uh, and they spend all their time just doing programming in C++ all day. But oftentimes everybody's like, oh, why don't they come to meetups or they're going to come next time? And it's like they they don't even have any social media platforms. They don't care about that. They just want to have their simple like nine to five be done, not worry about any of the additional stuff. So it's kind of left to me to do everything else in the company except for the programming. But it's a very efficient way of working. But for for us, it, it, it almost tends to be that I'm the one who jumps onto other people's teams. Like we're not often pulling anybody in because I have a very specialized skill set. So if I was pulling somebody in, I'd need somebody to be just like an awesome artist to, you know, I'll make a tool and I need somebody to make it beautiful after the fact where I'm just making like the raw content. Yes. <laughs> Karan, we should just have you up here. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, by the way, I work for Maxon guys, so I'm just asking <laughs> questions. Um, we are talking about freelancer to studio. Uh, for you, take the mic a little bit further away from your yeah. face. <laughs> You're talking about uh, freelancer to studio. I want to ask the audience if there are any freelancers here who have moved out of the studio and what would that reason be? Like, why did you get out of the studio and become a freelancer? Are there anybody here? Who's, uh, there you go. Would you like to share? So, uh, you know what? I can actually answer this question because uh, uh, I, I did end up, uh, me and Dave, we were running a studio together and... Um, me personally, I was dealing with a lot of like mental health issues. I was feeling, I, I was burned out, like mega burned out. And running a studio, you're not only having to be creative all the time, but you're also having to, 
you know, uh, run the accounting and chasing down invoices. It's it it and then making sure that all your people are going to get paid. And it's at at a point it just becomes so overwhelming that you have to. It sometimes it's just better for your mental health to step away from the studio, even the studio that you helped create, and just be. I've got a I I just want to go be a button pusher for a while. I just want to push some buttons and make some pretty art and have someone tell me what to do, you know? And and for me that's been it's been really healthy for me emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, and helping me keep that work-life balance to where I'm not at my computer 15 hours a day. Um yeah. That's me. I would love to hear. Uh, y'all are all running the first. Yeah, there's a couple people out there that had their hands up. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, regarding this, and also regarding something that Milton said earlier, uh, when you're in a big studio or maybe a medium size, even the little ones, each one of the co- the coworkers have their own style, and maybe that makes um, the deliveries a bit mixed up because you don't really have a style. Have you ever considered um, profile of an art director to convey everything up? And also regarding uh, you, what you said just now, uh, I know that some people get out of the studio because their art um, is does, it has nothing to do with the art that the studio does. So they want to mm, evolve themselves. So What do, what are your thoughts about that? Well, maybe maybe, I can, maybe I can start like answering. Like in in our experience or our story of studio is like we have our, our directors as well, and um, the thing is like I, I hate a little bit this word like sustainable growth and and you know like everything about that, but it's true. At some point in which one when we start growing as a studio. Uh, We believe that we did, did that in a sustainable way. We didn't grow from one day to another. It take us like a few years and each person that was joining our team was like one by one and start all together we start creating like a working culture somehow and some the culture behind the studio is that Uh, everybody like talks about the things that they like, they don't and we start creating like a specific I will say style, no, not a style, but something that you like or not. And what are the things that we, we believe that, okay, we need to put focus on this kind of things that are designed because at the end, it's, in my perspective, it, it's not about like in a specific style because we are working for clients that have specific needs. And in that specific need, sometimes you need to, to build something in a specific style. So we are all working, trying to have like a specific style for a specific project and all together work trying to give like the best tool that each of the members of the team has to uh, add to the specific project. So it's a combination of things rather to each of them trying to push for their own style. Or sometimes, I don't know, we have a person that has a specific style and is the perfect fit for that project. Well, we push behind that kind of style or that That's the way we see it. Yeah, I was going to say, so if if uh, a client approaches you and is like, you know, gives you some examples of, you know, projects that they've liked and you know that one of your employees is very good at that specific style, do you make them basically 
head of that project or put them in charge? Um, no, 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 no in that, no, no in that way because, uh, because maybe that person it's super great. Uh, I don't know designing, I don't sure. know doing illustration, but maybe that person didn't have like the right skills, or he didn't like, or she, or whatever, like to be like in in top of other people, coordinating, uh, having the decisions regarding design or whatever. So. Maybe that person should be like our lead designer, but the art director is still be the art director, and sure. we start combining things, for example. So what we try to do is to maintain the order in the studio, give like a more hierarchy in some moments of the project because each of the members of the studio have like a specific skills, and then start like combining or. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, I know um, he said his hand up for a while. Did you still want to <laughs> ask a question or? No, you're good. Oh, okay. I know we had a question right here in front. Winbush, can he use your mic? Yeah, absolutely. Based on what you were discussing about the style, do you often see yourself saying no to projects? Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I'd be like, eh, I guess I can do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but that's because I just need work. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we... We sometimes have said no to some projects, but, you know, because some, sometimes you get, like, a crazy project that they want a tiger uh, <laughs> dancing, you know. And, yeah, we try to say yes to projects, as I said earlier, to that, like, um, help us to move the studio forward. And, yeah, luckily, uh, most of the projects we get can fit in that description, you know. So we don't say no to too many projects but yeah sometimes once in a while you I would say no I would say like in our case we don't say no to projects because of the art style we say no as he said like if it's something super crazy like that is from today for tomorrow and it's just like <laughs> it's not possible it's, it's not even you saying no to them it's just making making them realize that it's not yeah. humanly possible yeah. <laughs> so but as Milton said, like in the end, we adapt to the necessities of each of the different brands or whatever. So usually if it's not like a creatively free job that you literally lead everything, uh, you just try to adapt. And in our case, like if we have to do something super sharp edgy so we focus on doing super spectacular materials and they, they look amazing so we can get better in other scenarios if they are in rush and there's not priority we try to prioritize animation rigging i don't know each time we try to prioritize a different thing so everybody can can perfect their own skills so it's kind of like as everything balance <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, we try to don't say no to any clients and try to solve. And we always can uh, contact some freelance to uh, solve this. Uh, but sometimes we say no because of the timings <laughs> and technical issues that we can't solve. Yeah. Continuing on that sure, question, like in terms of, I mean, how do you manage the profitability? Pro uh, profitability of the of the projects like do you have a set of rounds I mean how do you manage this type of uh, issues with the clients and do you yeah. always get profit from the project or sometimes it happens that it's like okay you know what 
I mean, we 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 yeah. lived here. I oh, think if you're not uh, always getting profit from a project, <laughs> you're working on the wrong project. Yeah, for sure. But <laughs> or, or, or you're it, not like, wrangling in your client enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think this is a vast, uh, business, so we need to manage the time and uh, speak with the clients, trying to get for some benefits and to organize the work. And I mean, for example, I'm as a producer, I know how to say the clients no you have only two rounds of feedback not not more because time is money and we don't want to lose money so i think it's the communication with the client uh question yes <laughs> uh, i would like to ask the exact same thing but in the relation between the studio and the freelancer let's say the freelancer um you know is delivering the work and you go into round of revisions how do you react when it, let's say it's stated in a contract or so or it's not stated in a contract and after like the third or fourth revision the freelancer starts to tick out because you don't get paid for the extra effort he puts in um i mean because on one side the studio's charging the client for the round of revisions yeah. but on the other side the freelancer also wants to charge uh the studio but also the freelancer doesn't want to you know kind of yeah. mess up the relationship I think you uh, you need to uh, to prevent this type of situation because you always know as when you work with a client you are going to uh, have some problems. I mean you would need more time or more money. So when I do a budget for a client, I always cover myself with a little bit money for the freelance, and I always ask the freelance. Uh, um, What happens if we need more time? Uh, give me the extra cost or your day rate. And I try to ensure if the freelance have more time avail available after the uh, delivery date because we always need it. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a lot of questions. Um, question on, where, I have two questions actually. The first one is when you all say no, Is there a trend or a practice here? Because as you all say, the community is together in a certain way that if you think that this project is not for me, but wait, I can recommend this other studio or other artist whom you can recommend to the client. Uh, that's one question. The second question is about profitability and the projects. Is, has there ever been a case or practice where, let's say, a client has become a good friend or is a friend of yours and they come to you and you go like, you know what, for you, we'll do it. Does not matter because it's also like a passion or art project for you. And you just do it and not look at the profitability there? For me, the second thing happened, used to happen a lot. <laughs> uh, I used to be too kind in that way. I would say like in the end with clients, even friends that are clients, they're still clients. Like they don't give a shit about you in the end. <laughs> just being super frank. Yeah? They want to have their project looking amazing and they will do no matter what and they will kind of push you and push you and push you so in the end it's like you have to push it too in the end you want to leave for what you do you want to leave well better every time I guess so you have to put order and always like kind of okay with friends and everything but also from my experience like the really good friends that give you jobs they they're the ones who are willing to pay you they will pay you mm -hmm. the best and they will give you the best timings always Then the shitty friends. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> there are those. <laughs> But some, something that we always say at the studio is regarding that is like the, the quality of the, the final product that you have like equals the process 
and the process equals the agreement that you have for that project. So no matter if your friend, your whatever, your mom giving you a project, you have to have like some boundaries that uh, on, on some specific agreement because that's the key behind any project, I guess. And once you agree to something, okay, you have to deliver no matter where it is. If you agree, you have to deliver. And in terms of freelancers, uh, the way we work with freelancers is we work on daily basis. They are part of our team. They work with daily rates. So they are. we integrate the freelancers in our workflow. Uh, they have like a specific feedback every day as well any member of our team. And they like put their work in progress every day and we make reviews and we keep on working. Um, sometimes we have like uh, freelancers that work with us since the beginning to the end or sometimes we have like people that is working like in a specific moment of the project trying to accomplish a specific task so that's pretty much the way we work with freelancer or our relationship in, in that and let's go back here because you already asked one <laughs> we'll come back to you <laughs> uh, and, and do you like New, new owners or like recent studios, do you prefer freelancers to be on studio or do you like this COVID stuff that came on that to have them work from home? Yeah, do you prefer remote freelancer? workers or in-studio workers? Uh, this is an interesting topic, I think, because um, I think uh, remote work is totally fine, but I enjoy a lot to be in the office with with my partners or with well, we we haven't had any any freelance in the office yet, but I don't know. I don't want to like force them to come. Like, if you want to work with us, you have to come to the office. But yeah, if if we ever work with a freelancer and they wanna come to the office to like hang out and because when you are in the office, it's not like just the work hours. Uh, it's just it's also like the lunch hours. The you know when you do a break mm -hmm. and and <laughs> that always like uh, enriches the like the environment you know yeah. and sometimes they enrich the project too in my opinion yeah also you should take in account like what is the person going to do no so for example if, yeah. uh, if they have to do comping and the files are super heavy uh, it's really not worth it that they have to download one terabyte of information yeah. then erase it for not for just one month of work you know what we usually do in these scenarios is uh, we gave we give them remote access to our PCs and they can kind of work this way and sometimes when we don't have en enough available PCs some of them work overnight instead during the day so it's kind of like you can be at the middle point. Uh, let me throw this out there. Because uh, I'd, I'd love to uh, ask you all about work-life balance. Uh, if there is such a thing, you know, running a studio, uh, how do you keep that balance on a day-to-day, -day, especially with demanding projects and... Yeah. Uh, oh. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> Um, I think the, for us, the office, the office is um, a very starting point for work-life balance. You know, because when you work from home, 
for example, in my case, I just like wake up and being in the, <laughs> the chair, and that's not healthy at all, I think. And also maybe it's it's six o'clock, it's seven o'clock, eight in the afternoon or in the evening, and you are still in the in the computer. And yeah, sometimes I don't go out in the whole day, you know. And if I go to the office, I, at least I I got a shower, I got a you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. To like get dressed, uh, grab the bus to go to the office, some fresh air, some sun, you know. For us, it's uh, pretty difficult because we uh, have the studio and also have uh, an online school called Este School. So we are teachers and we are working in the studio. So we are working a lot. Uh, but uh, we also try to have uh, free time. And the, the clue for this is to have a lot of activities and meet with friends. So, you know, that's time you should go out. Yeah. <laughs> That's the clue for us. Yeah, both of you, you're both at the same studio, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So both of you are educators as well? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so how does that work out? Do you guys alternate that, like teaching, or are you guys doing the courses together, or how does that work for you guys? Yeah. I, um, when, and for the teaching, I, I teach other direction and all what I, what I do with, with cinema. And she teaches the, the freelance way, how to, how to deal with, with prices, how to deal with clients, how to deal with everything. Yep. which is pretty difficult. And, and yep, I try to keep that balance between the education and the, um, and the work. Right. Um, just with, I, we have the, the online school, so we don't meet presentially our, our students every time. So it's easier to maybe somebody writes me at 8 in the morning, so I will ask, uh, answer them at 10. And I try to organize myself in the morning. I, I do some stuff. On the afternoon, another stuff for clients, and yeah. yeah, we have some recording classes, <laughs> and uh, after we do live classes, and we try to balance it. We we know when we have live uh, classes, we need to be there, but in the other time, it's only asking the students and trying to give them some advices, and we mix the yeah. studio and the school. <laughs> in my scenario, would be yeah. like. You just had a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of have to, with a kid, even if you are flexible, sometimes you have to sacrifice, stay some nights. Uh, sometimes doesn't matter if you stay the nights or not. But I would say, like, try that always what you do, even if it's a bit of topic, but that you like what you do. Because then hours are not like in jail hours, you know. It's more like you're enjoying everything or you're learning. Like in our scenario for me, every time I'm developing a new project, I try to learn new things or try to investigate new things. So sometimes I'm even like, okay, I want to stay more hours even if I can't and I want to see the kid and everything. But at least if you have to stay these hours, you're motivated and you don't feel like shit mentally somehow. How is it? And then, yeah, weekends are, uh, they should be sacred. Sometimes they are not. Uh, but when they are sacred, I spend them in nature with the kid, going. Sometimes I also go out, of course, at night. Everybody does. But it's like I found my peace doing other things, I would say. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, before, too, um this thing of uh, trying to learn new things with every project 
uh, I think it's super important, uh, especially when you don't, you can't find a lot of time to like watch more tutorials out outside of work or, you know. For example, we are now doing a project that requires uh, some uh, heavy fluid simulations, which we haven't done before. And we are really trying to push this for this project. Like we bought some courses for that and and yeah, it's always uh, a good starting point because we always um, try to develop to um, like the research part of the projects and and that helps to like develop our skills and push further with every project. And also regarding the this learning thing and this enjoying what what he said about enjoying what you do. Uh, for me, it's a bit hard and sometimes because sometimes I finish work and I still prefer to do work than watching a film, you know? Winbush knows all about that. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Working all the time just because you like to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to love what you do, right? Or else we wouldn't be doing this. I mean, we'd be all crazy to do this because, I mean, it's a demanding job, right? But when you love what you do, you never work, right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I would just add, like, Sometimes you have these boosters, you know, when you're doing something you really, really like or really motivates you, you are like, fuck it, I'm going to stay like till I finish this. Yeah. But even when this comes, I would say it's better that you don't do it. Like even, I mean, yes, there's some more hours or something, but don't try to rush into finishing something. Because I think like the next day you will still have these, uh, this kind of boost. And also you will see everything fresher. So if you can be like really daily based in everything, even when you have to work over the weekend, it's better that you work regular days, kind of like regular hours rather than a full day of 16 hours or 24 hours. We all did that and it's really like in the end destroys you. Yes. One thing that I maybe want to add is like or something that we have been learning in the last couple of years is like, you need to be super careful with your life-work balance. And in my point of view, I would love to keep on doing what I'm doing for the next 20, 30 years and whatever. I don't want to have like a burnout and next year say, okay, bye, I'm going to have like a pizza place. I'm going to change my career. That's all I ever wanted. Yeah, Honestly, I, 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 I love, I love making pizza, <laughs> but I love what I'm doing and I want to keep on doing that and... At some point, you need to be careful about yourself, your your mental health and everything. And I love what I'm doing, but at some point, uh, we start growing as a studio and we have like people depending on us and we need to make the example at some place. This is a stressful show. The creative industry is stressful. We are uh, dealing with crazy timelines, with crazy feedback, with crazy things. And... But at some point, uh, you need to take care of you and somehow of your team. Because if you're not taking care of you at that point, you are not taking care as well, probably, of your team. And it doesn't mean that there is a crazy project in which one you need to work extra hours and push harder. That, that's happened. But something that we at least try as, as much as possible, because it's not a perfect world and it, it's not like a fairy tale story that in which one oh, every city is beautiful we work four hours and every city everybody's happy but at least <laughs> yeah <laughs> but at least having that in mind trying to take care about that for you and your team and the people that is working so you can keep on building like a beautiful 
working space or something like that is something that that we we learned in the last couple of years and try to push for that as well. We had a question right here. Winbush, do you mind passing your microphone? Yes. Actually, I was to, about to ask about that uh, because everyone is talking about balance and balance all the time. But how much, how important it is to sometimes uh, go out of balance uh, and how valuable sometimes it is go out of balance sometimes, to yeah. push a little further and give a, a, to give the project another, to reach another level. So do you think maybe in some, some <laughs> time is important to... <laughs> when, when do you go crazy? Yeah. When do you pray <laughs> back and try? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little, a little bit important to sometimes go out of balance to reach another level to give the, to give the studio another push is, is for you some valuable. Yeah. I would actually love to jump in. The, yeah. where it's a little bit the opposite of what you were saying, but... Like when you're in the zone, when you're in a flow of a project, like I feel like that's super, I mean, that's precious. And that's when you're, that's when the job is the best. That's when you're having the most fun. So to be like, well, I'm going to stop that and I hope I have it again tomorrow. Like eh, maybe you won't. And it's, it's, it's in those moments when you are enjoying the work and you're flying with the work. It's like, okay, right there. There's almost nothing I'd rather be doing except the work. So at that point, it's like, okay, that's okay. But fighting to get into the flow and whatnot, that's not healthy. But if you're already there and you're enjoying it, like, just keep going. I'd rather, you know, what am I going to do? Stop and go home and watch a movie or something? It's like, no, keep, like, let's make this work amazing right now. I'm so happy right now working on it. And sometimes you have an entire project that's like that. And, you know, then at that point, that is a pure passion project. And why would I want to give up that passion? For me, like what you said, I, when this happens to me, even if I stop working that day in the office, in my scenario, like I go, I'm, by, I'm bathing my kid or whatever, I'm just keep on thinking the project, keep on thinking the project, keep on seeing what I can do better, how I can. In my case, it's because I'm doing the concepts and the narrative, no, behind the project. So it's like I'm linking everything more and more and more and more. And I think this also can be translated to somebody that is motivated doing look deaf because be can be like, um, in my scenario, some years ago, I was kind of just going to the street and looking at the whole imperfections of the whole fucking street. Like, oh, this has a lot of imperfections. That's what's making it real. You know, everything, you should see the New York City subway. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a work of art. <laughs> It's a lot of imperfections yeah. <laughs> and a lot of rats. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's just that in the end, I think it's more your body. You know, I think like you have, if you want that your body follows your mind, you have to have a strong body. Strong bo By strong body, what I mean is like, that can follow your mind. Sometimes some people, the body cannot follow the mind, so they start training uh, resistance. So it's kind of like they start running, things like this, or they start meditating. In my case, I start meditating. Why? Because I need to keep the focus on some things and blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like when you feel that moment coming, grab it, take it, and try to expand it the maximum. So you will be, as he said, like in the zone for the most time possible. But also don't get crazy or don't get like vulnerable to yourself like, oh, I should be spending every second in when this happens to me because it's going to happen again. I, I, I think it's important to be aware of what you're doing and how much time you're spending, you know, how into it you are versus how much you're fighting it. You know, if it, uh, I like to think of 
both Cinema 4D and After Effects like a puzzle. The client gives you the answer, and you have to figure out how to get that puzzle done. And sometimes I'll be I'll, I'll be hitting a wall as far as the how to how to put those puzzle pieces together, and instead I'll just walk away from it. And by walking away, I find that even though I'm not focusing on that, my mind in the background is still working on that, that, that puzzle. And I'll come back to it the very next day with at least one or two new ways to try and figure that out. How many people have uh, been taking a shower in the morning? You're like, that's what I was stuck on. Yeah. Like every, every problem is solved in the shower the next morning. That's how I make a million dollars. Can I say, too, on a, um, on a work-life balance, especially for those that have family, like I know you said you just had a child, the way I got around that was actually get my family involved in my work. Like I have two kids, and so... I used to work at Warner Brothers. I worked in theatrical television and the gaming side. And so at the time, I was working on Lego Harry Potter, Lego Batman, brought my son down to the studio, would let him play test the games. And as he was playing them, we were actually recording his playing and we used that for the commercial, for the marketing and stuff. So that got him excited. It got me to spend time with my son. Same thing with my daughter. I worked on My Little Pony. That was her thing back then. And she was actually giving me feedback as I was working on it because she knew the whole thing in which when I would talk to Hasbro, I would know everything about all the ponies. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, how the hell do you know <laughs> like so he, much he, about this He's stuff. secretly a brony. It, yeah, yeah, I'm the king of the bronies. But, I mean, that kind of helps too, right? So you get your family involved, and especially if you have kids. I mean, that's always the best. And then yeah. even my wife, I work in reality TV, which she watches all that trash TV, so... <laughs> I worked on a title sequence recently for Out Daughter, the show they have like eight daughters or something like that. And she's a fan of this particular people because she followed them on social media. So I was able to relay that back to TLC, like the stuff she's telling me. And it just helped me with my job because it makes me look like I'm engaged with this particular entities and project or products. And yeah, so just getting your family involved really helps out a lot. Plus, Make your kids yes. do your mocap for you. My son does that too on my, <laughs> on my YouTube channel. I, I'm, I, got, I gained a lot of weight over COVID, right? So I no longer fit into my mocap suit. So got my son, <laughs> got my son to do it instead. But like just getting them involved and letting them see what you do as well, you know, it's it's a good balance, at least for me. Plus, it's early training, right? Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network.
Maybe. They can jump into the family business. Well, and then you start a studio and you can pay them less. My son, <laughs> my son's been helping me since he was in elementary school, and he saw the craziness that I go into running a shop. And so when he got old enough, he's like, "I think I want to try something else." So, yeah, it kind of scared him out of it. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Karan, you had a question. A bit off topic from the work-life balance. Um, I wanted to understand how popular are you on and the studios or everything in insane to give opportunities to individuals who are not from the field or who are not upcoming students or interns but who are from a separate field and wants to get into this field, become a content director, art director, or concept artist and stuff. How, how often is that mindset here that, hey, you're happy to claim someone, it does not matter what age. You know, come in, you're happy to train you, work with you. If we see potential in you, you can do it. I think, like, if you see potential, it doesn't matter. Like, you just help them or try to help them. And they will. you will see if they push enough, it's good. If they don't push enough, maybe they are not interesting enough, I would say. I was going right, to say, say, even with... To them. Even with the, the education stuff that y'all are doing, you know, I can imagine there's, is there some sort of mentorship that y'all take on? You know, me personally, that's the reason I kind of started doing tutorials in the first place was to help mentor other people, you know, and through that, uh, uh, the community that we've built with the MoGraph Slack and uh, the uh, all the other MoGraph stuff, it, it's it's been exciting to see people be successful and say hey i took this three hour uh, uh thing that uh tutorial that you did and look what i modeled you know yeah for me for example i love my my job i love it so to transmit that it's it's uh, enough for me i mean if if i can make somebody to to love his job and to don't spend all the time in a job that, that he doesn't love i i would do that so that's something that motivates me when I see that I can, I can change somebody's life. So, in a really small way, but anyway. <laughs> and hopefully a good way. Hopefully. <laughs> but that's, that's an amazing feeling because you, you feel that with, your, you, with the things that you have learned in your way, uh, you have expressed something that it has it have made that people to, to grow and to discover something that will change his life. So, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, when you see the uh, the real evolution of the students, the, how they start and how they finish because of your classes are, wow, it's super, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think like once you find your true passion, yeah, it's like only way, you know, it's it's what pushes you further every every with everything you do, you know. Yeah, and the the progression is exponential. the The first two months is like, oh, but then, phew. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Except if you're learning Houdini, then it's like, <laughs> it's it's steps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question. Okay. Um, this one is gonna change the subject a little bit, but let's do it. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I just want to ask you a little bit about AI. Um, I oh, you oh, had to on. bring it up, didn't you? <laughs> you know what? We, we totally skipped over it last right. one, and I was so I excited. All right. <laughs> Let's talk what? about it. No comments. This, go is the, this is the last 10 minutes of the show right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go directly. I mean, are you incorporating software like MidJourney or Stable Diffusion in your creative process? Uh, or is something that, you know, I mean, I don't want to go into the, the ethics of it. Just know 
you know, what's going on in the practical side on your studios? Uh, for us, like, we are incorporating some things regarding AI. It's like, no, we are not AI basis, but it's a new technology. It's a new thing that it's going on and it's going to be like growing and growing and it's going to be more and more part of the our pipeline, our, part of our tool. It's going to inter, in my perspective, it's going to integrate the tools and the way we work and it's going to change a lot of things. I believe that AI is not there yet for, for everything, but you don't know in the future yes so it's part of of something that we are all learning and trying to figure it out how to integrate the new technologies into the into our pipelines so that's pretty much what i, what I have for you <laughs> yeah we don't use uh, like this um graphic tools but i for, for example i use uh chat dbt for example for coding because i don't know a sheet of code and <laughs> yeah so but i'm really interested in in the coding space you know so i use it for like uh do me some script for cin cinema or, so you gotta or, you try to put our programmers out of business eh <laughs> yeah <laughs> once you can put web developers out of business i'm okay with that yeah <laughs> sorry if there's web developers out there <laughs> Uh, in my case, we use it, I, I actually use it for automatization with deadlines and things like this in terms of organizing people and organizing the tasks. So we use kind of like a platform where we can put all the tasks of everybody and we are now kind of understanding how to deal with all of this through AI because it's easier rather than doing Excels and more Excels and more Excels. Um, so as he said, like, also for coding is quite interesting. Like one of our guys, he's like now developing some tools thanks to GBT and kind of mixing everything what he knows with little things. You know, I think it's like it cannot be an art by itself somehow. It's just a tool to use it so you go faster and you don't have to look out in a sea of too much information somehow. Yeah, for us, we uh, we try to integrate the uh, AI in our workflow, but only for me, for organization, as he didn't say. And I think it's useful, and we reduce the work time. Uh, so we need to use it because it's an opportunity to uh, to do by yourself, but not for uh, graphic <laughs> things. Yeah, for me, I think it, it could be useful. I didn't have the time to research for it, but I think it could be useful for, for storyboards, maybe for making textures, like a uh, shortcut to to make it everything faster. Uh, probably we will use it in the future, but not yet. <laughs> I think I think the texture generation is going to be huge. Yeah. You know, being yeah. able to create seamless textures really easily. And I know, uh, I know that like Otoy has been working on building in a stable diffusion node within Octane to where you could specifically type in a texture and get the normal maps and everything from it, which would be absolutely insane, you know? Uh, so I know that's coming. And also for me personally, I, I, it, it, it's so nice. I, I, I have a mid journey, uh, subscription and it, it's very nice to be able to use it for inspiration you know, instead of having to go through pages and pages and pages of Pinterest or Instagram or something like that, but to immediately get something and then riff off of that and then riff off of that, 
you know, or uh, I, I, and I've said this before at other shows, but I think Adobe is doing it well because the generative AI stuff is pretty awesome. And the amount of time that it's, it saves being able to create something and especially put seams together and stuff like that when you're uh, creating gigantic frames, it, it's, it works really well. And I, 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 it's not quite there yet, but it's amazing how far it's come from our first DAT show to now. I was going to also say, when people think of AI, they only think of the imagery part of it, but like we've used AI for motion capture. Like in London, we had Move AI come out and um, literally with just your cell phone, you could take a video of yourself and get full on motion capture with no suit or anything, like fingers and everything, which has been really helpful. And then um, also photogrammetry, same thing. Like I don't know if you guys do photo scanning at all, but you can literally just take your cell phone Let's say, especially with AI, you could get like the refraction and the luminance, everything in this bottle. You could photo scan it and you could take this exact object and bring it into 3D to use in any 3D application. So that's something I've been using AI for, just getting like historical artifacts and stuff that would take forever to try to replicate and sculpt. Literally just take it, put it on a turntable, take a video. And with like the new Nerf and Gaussian Splat and stuff like that. You could bring it into like Unreal or Cinema, and even I've been doing stuff with Fortnite too. Like, but music artists taking their artifacts, bringing it in, and you know, within thirty minutes, you have a full photorealistic asset at your disposal to do anything you want with. So, stuff like that, the complementary stuff, I think works way better than just like the text, uh, whatever text prompt type stuff. We need a UV ungrouping in AI. That too. <laughs> yes. Yes. UV wrapping, <laughs> clapping, and, um, rotoscoping. <laughs> rotoscoping is the big one. You got the yeah. last question. I'm going to throw it your way. It better uh, be good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, uh, speaking a bit of pipeline, which is something that is basic in a studio where you're a freelancer, you start growing up. Uh, my, my question here would be uh, apart from obvious things like folder structure or what is basic, what, what, what's the one thing that you have found in your integrating inside your pipeline that you said, wow, this really changed my life or this really improved everything I do and made it so much easier? Storyboards. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Like, really, really storyboards of each second and then you do mounted in After Effects or whatever program you use and you just present it to the client, the client approves that and you, it's no coming back. You know, it's just like, okay, we're going to go this way, you are agree on this way, that's sometimes they they come back. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> they come back. Yeah, sometimes they do. Yeah, sometimes they do. But at least you have them sign something that if they do come back, they have to pay you for that yeah. time. Sometimes also they don't. It's okay, <laughs> we know. <laughs> but uh, I think also helps you personally see everything perfectly. You know, so you can really go on set or you can really be in the production and know like, okay, I. Still have to do three, four, five more shots instead of just being like, yeah, I have to do kind of three shots more or less. It just sounds like the basic answer, but for real, it's like, if you take it super serious, it's a game changer. Okay, Chris has one more question. I do have one Sorry, final... he didn't have the last one. Yeah. <laughs> I do have one final really important question for everybody who's local, and that includes everybody in the audience. 
and that is, why don't you have regular meetups here? I've had more people in this city come up to me already and be like, oh, we're, I'm really interested in doing local meetups. I've never had so many people unrelated in the audience and up here being like, oh, yeah, we don't have local meetups. It would be really great. But, Who's going to spearhead that yeah. as well? Yeah. There you go. Boy, it's all you. Yeah. Get it up. <laughs> yeah. And anybody who wants to, while we're out uh, drinking tonight, like I'm all about like local meetups. So if anybody's looking for advice or anything, like hit me up. But like there's so much interest in this audience already for it. So you all should make it happen. Yeah, I think uh, here, in, well, there's actually, there was a monthly event uh, recently. I don't know if the guys organizing. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess it, it takes like a lot of energy to like, um, well, you, you can tell it better than me, but uh, I don't know. Sometimes uh, we love meetups uh, uh, in the studio and we always, we are always like, uh, we have to organize something in Madrid because here in Barcelona, they are all like very close to each other here in Pueblo No. And in Madrid, we are all like uh, spread it out. Uh, yeah, but it's always difficult. I don't know, because someone has to be the first to, like, tell everyone to, hey, guys, we are gonna, we're going to meet up some, this day, and then someone can come, you know, and I don't know. It's, it's tricky. I don't know. Say, I'll come out once a month. Just okay. Me out. <laughs> yeah, let me out. I'll come out anyway, all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It's a deal. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we're going to end it on that. I want to say a uh, big thanks to everyone who came out to the show. Uh, uh, huge thanks to all of you. Y'all are all so great. And 100% to all of our amazing panelists here and the amazing stuff that they've given. So big shout out to them. Um, uh, thanks to everyone who joined us online uh, and watched. Uh, make sure to check out the MoGraph podcast. We got lots of them. And follow us on the next Dat Tour. Um, and with that, I am Matt. And I'm Wimbush. And this was that. Thanks, y'all. Yes. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SIGGRAPH, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. We gotta stop this thing, Rick! It's gonna kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame, frame what? 
MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software. Learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it. We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com. Oh, 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 oh